Alrighty. Well, welcome to The Eight. I'm so happy that you guys were here for our second Sunday of The Eight. The Eight is a place to renew and reset life. And I'm super excited because we are starting our very first, everything's our first here, but our very first series here at St. Mark Church. Uh, and we're calling this series here at The Eight called The Fullness of Life. If you haven't noticed and you see it all on our fancy banners and our brochures and everything about the church, our mission statement, everything we do here rotates around a mission, a mission statement, our mission statement, which says that we exist to connect people to the fullness of life found in Jesus Christ following the ancient faith of the Orthodox Church. My wife and I lived in D.C. for eight years uh, before moving back home. ATL is home. This is where I grew up. Uh, but we lived in, a, in D.C. for eight years. And one of my favorite places to go in D.C. was a restaurant um, called Kava. Wow, we got a Kava fan? Very good. So Kava was one of my favorite restaurants to go to. It was like Chipotle, but like Mediterranean style. So it was amazing. So like, you know, the trick at Chipotle is, you know, they put down a little bit of rice. He's like, can you add some more? So you just get like this massive meal. And this is my meal at Kava. And it was amazing. Like for 9.50, you get this entire bowl. And it, I mean, I was set for, 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 for the week just by getting this. I mean, this was like lunch and then a little bit of dinner as well. So I loved Kava. So they had multiple locations in, in, in uh, D.C. and in Virginia as well. So I was meeting up with a friend, and we ended up going to a location in D.C. And it was called Kava, but it was like in a really like upscale, like bougie part of D.C. So I said, you know what? You can never go wrong with Kava, Kava's Kava. We go to Kava, and we find out that this was a unique Kava, that they had a tapas version of Kava. Raise your hand if you know what tapas are. I think tapas is the worst invention ever on planet <laughs> Earth. Because I went in saying, yeah, can I have my regular meal of Kava uh, for $9.50? And I, you know, I have my app, and I get the group on, you know, I get the coupon, so I'm like building up points or whatever. And they come out, and this comes on my on my on my plate. And I found out that that's what Kava is here at this location. It's a tapas version of Kava. That was probably 8.50, and this was 9.50. And I said, you know what? And they asked me, okay, sir, do you, you know what else do you want? I said, forget it. I'll, I'm done with this. I'll go to Wendy's or something afterward. I'm not going to order another tapas meal at this Kava. I was super upset. So I'm a cheapskate by nature, but you're telling me logically that this is 950, three and a half miles on another side in, in Arlington, Virginia, and at this location, you're telling me this is 850. If I'm already going to spend more than 199 for a meal, might as well get the whole thing. Like, if, if, if you're going to ask me, have a meal, like, what would you choose? Of course, I'm going to choose this. Like, why would I ever choose that? If it's almost the same price, might as well get the real deal and get the fullness, get the whole deal. As much as I kept on telling myself after eating this, I'm full, I'm full, I'm not going to order anything more. I still got to pay tip and taxes. I'm full, I'm full. I'm not going to pay for anything more. As much as I kept on trying to tell myself that, I could not convince myself that that's enough. As much as I kept on telling myself, I'm good, I'm, I'm full, I'm full, just have this little snack thing, I'm fine, I don't need anything more. As much as I kept on telling myself that, I could not convince myself that I'm full. Why? There is a hard scientific fact that I cannot ignore as far as when I'm full and when I'm hungry. 
your biology 101 for the day. Here's free of charge, biology. There is a nerve called the vagus nerve, which is, connects to, uh, has extensions that go to your stomach and other places in your digestive system. Your vagus nerve sends a signal back to your hypothalamus. Yeah, this is pretty fancy for a priest to tell you all this stuff. The vagus nerve sends a signal back to the hypothalamus to tell you, hey, Father Nate, you're full, no need to eat anymore. As much as I can tell myself logically, I'm full, I'm not gonna get anything, I'm not gonna get anything more, there's a scientific baseline that I cannot ignore that tells me when I'm hungry and when I'm full. Just like tapas couldn't cut it for me, and I'm still wanting more, you're wanting more from life. As much as you keep on telling yourself, if I just get the iPhone XS, I'll be full, I'll be fine, I'll be satisfied. That's all I need. If I get the XS Max for sure, but you know, I'm gonna be humble, I'm not gonna be like too greedy, I'll just get the XS, I'll be fine with that. If I just get this new car, if I just get this many followers on Instagram, I'll be fine. And we have this baseline of what, like, th this is where my satisfaction line will be. And as much as we try to tell ourselves this is my line, we're always wanting more. Why? Just by design, my digestive system my vagus nerve, my hypothalamus, sets the baseline as far as when I'm hungry and when I'm full. There's something inside of you that is telling you, you want more from life. As much as you try to fill it with so many other things, you are seeking more from life. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here, wanting more from life. Believe it or not, we were originally designed being full off of this. We were originally designed being completely satisfied because of our divine design, that we were full and created perfectly with everything that you ever desire, we're completed perfectly and in wholeness as we were designed by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Once upon a time, before there was time, there was the being, the being. As we pray in the Orthodox Divine Liturgy, we say, oh you, the being, an uncreated being outside of time, space, and matter, out of his love, because he is the definition of all that exists, out of his love, decided to say, you know what? I want to create a reflection of who I am. I want to create a reflection of me and to a creation. And I will call him man. But since I love him so much and he will be a reflection of me, I want to surround him with the best. I'm not just going to say, here, here's humanity, here's man. No, I want to have like the best flowers, and not just a couple of flowers. I want to have 54,000 different types of flowers. I want bumblebees. I want cattle. I want mountains. I want forests. I want everything possible for man to enjoy. And I want him to have dominion over all of this because I love him. And because I love him, I'm not going to hold his hand. Like my love for him entails that he has free will to do whatever he wants. If, I, if, if God, the being, had to hold his creation's hand, that's not love. That's called slavery. But he said, you do as you wish. You want life? Here's life. If you don't want life, it's up to you but I'm giving you just one simple rule, just one simple rule, just don't eat of this, and then you can have all that you want. Well, 
you know what happened? Man said, you know what? I can do what I want. I know what I'm doing. Like, I, I, God probably just messed up when he said all these rules. This tree just looks like that tree. It's not a big deal. I can eat of this tree. And he thought he's all that, and he got himself in trouble. And then from that point, God said, because I love you, I have to get you out of here. I'm not sitting here. I'm not spanking your arm. I'm doing, it's because of my love for you, I have to do this for you. You're not ready yet. You did it to yourself, but because of my love for you, I have to get you out of this garden. You, you will get, you'll eventually get there, but not yet. You're not ready yet. And I'm doing this because I love you. Another thing we pray in the Orthodox Divine Liturgy is that we say, Lord, you have not abandoned us. You have not abandoned us. You did not leave us. You did not leave us isolated. But you have always visited us through sending us prophets and kings and, 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 and judges. You have sent all different types of people to try to bring us back and win us over because you love me. To the point that you said, you know what, instead of me keep on sending kings and rulers and prophets, instead of me sending all those people, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come down myself. I'm going to roll down my, I'm going to roll my sleeves and I'm going to come down. And I'm not just going to tell them, do this, do that. I'm going to love them. I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to be born just like them. I'm going to have the flu just like them. I'm going to have good days just like them. I'm going to have bad days. I'm going to feel lonely. I'm going to feel like crying some days. I'm going to feel isolated. I'm going to do this because I love them and I want to relate to them. Jesus comes down to save us. But again, he did that because out of his love for us. An early Christian patriarch, patriarch actually of the Coptic Orthodox Church, said this about how much God loves us. His name is St. Cyril of Alexandria. Man from the origin of creation, humanity from the origin of creation, received control over his desires and would freely follow the inclinations of his choice. For the deity, whose image he is, is free. What is St. Cyril saying? From the origins of creation, man received control over all of his desires and would freely follow the inclinations of his choice. For his deity, his God, the being, whose image he is in, is free. Since God is free, his creation is also free. But we abused that freedom and went away. But then out of his love said, I'm going to come down and grab him back up. Another Coptic patriarch later in history said that God, the being, became man in order for man to become God. This man who said this was the pioneer that helped put the Bible that you have together. His name is St. Athanasius the Apostolic. He was a patriarch around the year 350. He said that God became man in order for man to become God. So he broke that barrier. He wanted to rip that barrier by allowing God to become man. And then for man, then to become back to his original image. I heard uh, an Orthodox priest say that we're not actually human beings. We're actually human becomings. We're not human beings. 
It's play on words, but it's a nice meditation. Yes, you are a human being, but his meditation is that we're not a human being, that we are human becoming like the being. This is why Jesus is such a big deal. It's because God didn't just say something from the clouds and just say, do this, do that. That he became man in order for man to become God. One of the top Google questions, I know we talked about some Google questions during the liturgy, but one of the other top Google questions, I was very fascinated by seeing this list, by the way, the top questions people ask Google. What makes me me? People would ask Google, what makes me me? What makes me human? There's obviously not a, a 10 second answer I can give you as far as what makes you you you. What, uh, that's too many use. What makes you you? What makes you human? You know that you are a relational being. You know that you are a sexual being. You know you are a physical being. Go to the first one. You know that you are a relational being. You are, like, we're designed to be in relationships. This is why some people say, oh, you know, I, I, I love God and I spend time with him, but I don't need the whole church thing. It's just drama and gossip. Forget the church. I got my own little thing. This, for me, the second I tell myself that, I'm setting myself up for failure. Why? Because it's going against by, I'm going against the divine design of how I'm created. I'm created to be in relationships and in such a wide array of relationships that you are a relational being. They were saying that one of the most cancerous ideologies that's happening in this day and age is individualism. Of course, you have your own personality, you have your own preferences, you have all that. But to the point that I can isolate myself from existence, I do what pleases me, I got everything under control, I'm not like everyone else. The second that thought starts being embedded in me, this is the beginning of failure because I'm going against the divine design of how I'm created to be. You know you're a sexual being. It's a beautiful, fragile, and delicate gift that we all have. But it's designed to be used in a unique way, in a very special way. And when used outside of that way, sometimes it hurts us. You know you are a physical being. When you greet somebody, give them a handshake. Or like when I greet you, I like to give you a hug. We are physical beings. There has to be a physical contact because this is how we are by divine design. But above all, you are a spiritual being. How do I know God exists? Why does he make it super clear to me? Is there more to life than this? If you have thought those questions in any shape or form, that's an example that you are a spiritual being. You are seeking more. If the divine designer is free, spiritual, and personal, so is his creation. So is you and me. If God is free, if God is spiritual and God is personal, then we are personal beings. If God is powerful and creative, so is his creation. God said, hey, listen, Adam and Eve, you have dominion over all of this. I want you to delegate and manage and, and administer how you want to do all this stuff. I want you to name these animals here, then do this. I want you, like, you're in control. You're the manager. You're the CEO here. I'm still your dad, but I, I'm, giving you, I'm giving you freedom to do this job. If God is creative, if God said, you know what, I'll create three flowers, 
No, but he is creative to the point that there's millions of flowers. Why? Because he's creative. If God, if the designer is creative, so is his creation is creative. If God exercises love to the point of, of unconditional love, then we are called to do the same. If God gives unconditional love to us, for us to do as we wish, then we are called to do the same with each other. If God is full of mercy and compassion, we are, by design, called to be compassionate to even the most annoying people that annoy us, that we're called to extend mercy and compassion because my divine designer embedded that within me. If God lives forever, guess what? You're designed to live forever. Because of my brokenness and because of your brokenness, we have kind of lost sight of that. We have lost sight of what God, the being, wants from me. The beautiful thing of God, the beautiful thing of Jesus, is that Jesus became all in order to heal all. Jesus became all in order to heal all of us. If we're following the ancient faith, Never throughout history did anyone say, yeah, we want Jesus to bless us. <sighs> okay, but it, it's not, it, sometimes we water down those words. He came to make us whole. He came to make us God. He made us to elevate us back and restore us to how we're originally designed. That's the language that the church has used for centuries. Not just, okay, God, you, you owe me a big one. I came to church early on Sunday. I even came before the gospel. You owe me big. No. God became man in order for us to become like him and restore us back to our original design. One thing that you'll hear here at St. Mark over and over again, that the church is not just a country club and it's not just for us to come and get some coffee and, and enjoy the eight and be kids free. The church is a hospital. Everything we do here is what has been practiced in the early centuries of the church. And they viewed the church to be a hospital. In the early manuscripts of the church, they never said, we, the Orthodox Church. That was a word that came later on. But in the beginning, the leaders of the church said, you know what? Us being the hospital, we are the one holy, and here's a word that makes a lot of us uncomfortable of how we explain orthodoxy, the Catholic Church. For centuries, if you look at early manuscripts, they say the Catholic Church this, the Catholic Church that. Why? The word Catholic, many of you guys would say it means universal. Okay, that, that, that's great. But the actual the Greek word, Catholicos, means according to the whole. Ever since the beginning of Christianity, never was there one person saying, I'm the head of the church. We all look to the same head, Jesus. But as the church began to spread, it was different leaders that were equal among each other, leading the church as it was growing. And it was never one person higher than another. Than another. And the entire mission of the church was to make humanity whole again, to restore different pieces of who we are and bring us back to how we're originally designed. The church, as a hospital, is there to bring healing to different aspects of who we are. 
maybe to our marriage, maybe to our relationships, to our friendships, maybe to our career, maybe to our personal life, maybe to our physical health. The church is there as a hospital to bring us whole. We are members of the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. As the church began to grow in the early centuries, there would be people that started to go rogue. And there were people say, oh, we actually believe in this about the church. And actually, we mean about this. And there were different things that started to spread. But the church said, okay, in order to make sure that this hospital is intact and following what Jesus said and following what Jesus gave the disciples, we need to write down our mission statement. We need to kind of solidify things. And our mission statement is the creed, which began to be established and polished throughout the years to, to say who we are as Christians following the ancient, fine, the ancient faith. There's continuity. There's continuity in our church. Nothing is sporadic, but it's all parting, following a lineage that began. And it is communal, just as a hospital is communal. Our mission statement, we exist to connect people to the fullness of life found in Jesus Christ. Everybody wants more from life. Everybody wants more. But there has to be an absolute like, I can't just say, if I get this, this is what's going to make me full in life. This is what's going to make me whole. All that's all relative, and that's a moving target. But there has to be an absolute where I say, this, this is my bullseye. This is my target of what I'm striving for. Yeah, I keep on making mistakes, and I keep on falling short. But you know what? My eye is still on the bullseye. I know I'm weak. I know I'm broken. But I know God loves me. And my eye is locked in on the bullseye. Who is God in the flesh? We exist to connect people to the fullness of life found in Jesus Christ, following the pre-denominational church, following the ancient faith of the Orthodox Church. There's a lot of volunteers that help put St. Mark together, and I'm just one small piece. And everyone has come in when we start launching. Somebody would say, hey, I can help with this. I can help with that. And we needed volunteers for so many things, and we still, still need volunteers. So I'll just give a shout-out and, and free commercial break here to say, if you are interested in volunteering, please do check us out at the connection table. Uh, we are in need of volunteers. So there was a team that helped put this fabulous brochure together explaining who we are as an ancient faith, who we are as a church. What, what is St. Mark? Like, why, why does a priest look weird? Why do we do what we do? All this is kind of explained in a very short, simple brochure, which we have in the connection table. And one of my favorite parts is us explaining who we are in a very simple and concise way. This is what's in the brochure. St. Mark American Coptic Orthodox Church is open to everyone and anyone. Just as St. Mark the Apostle brought the beauty of early Christianity to Egypt, we are called to do the same in Atlanta. The Orthodox Christian Church brings the light of Jesus Christ following the spirituality and practices of the first century church. We are evangelical, but not Protestant. We are Orthodox, but not Jewish. We are not non-denominational. We are pre-denominational. Orthodoxy may seem too deep and daunting at first, but the more you explore, the more you will experience the beauty and depth of the ancient faith. We invite you to come and see.
And there's obviously more written in, in the brochure. But I love that description of who we are. We are here to be made whole. We are not here just to get together and sing Kumbaya and call it a day. We're here. You are a patient. I'm a patient. But I also am a, a beloved son of Jesus Christ. And you are a beautiful son and daughter of Jesus Christ. Coming, wanting to be made whole. A good way to think about this is God made us, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, made you and me to be a, 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 a reflection of who he is. We're made in his image and his likeness, as we read in Genesis. But because of our selfishness, because of I know what I'm doing, we kind of lost sight of that clear image. And now what we're trying to do is pick up the pieces of this, of this broken mirror, these different fragments. You know what? I need to get, I need to get my view of like, I feel like I'm, 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 I feel like I'm like all that at work and I'm all that. I need to pick up that piece and, and realize, who am I? I need to pick up this piece of my marriage. I feel like I'm very selfish when it comes to marriage. Like, what is marriage designed to be? I need to pick up this aspect of like this like habit that like nobody really knows about that I, I need to really get, I need to fix this because I feel like this is owning me. And it's us putting these pieces together like a mosaic, putting it together and trying to build the image of how I'm designed to be, to be made whole, to be made full. And the reflection of how do I know I'm being made whole or full is I have to look at the original image, who is Jesus Christ. In one of his sermons, Jesus said that he was trying to explain to the people that I'm here as not as a judge to, to pull you down. I'm here actually as a shepherd. And you are my sheep. Like, I want you to be close to me. I'm here to, to love you. I'm here to bring you in. And he said this. St. John records this. I came, this is Jesus saying this, I came that my people may have life and have it abundantly. What is he saying? I'm here to give life and not just to make you happy and you make sure you do good in life and make sure you get that promotion. I'm here to give you the fullness of life and to give it to you more abundantly. Great, Father Nathaniel, this is all great. Good job. I don't believe any of this. If you're on that side, I totally get it. I totally get it. But just hear me out. If there was a man that lived and predicted his own death, predicted his own death and his resurrection, and that it actually occurred, and then the next day had breakfast on the beach with his disciples, you would just at least listen to what he has to say. So just entertain me on that. If you don't believe any of this Jesus stuff, but if there was a man that predicted his own death, then overcame death by his resurrection, and had breakfast the next day on the beach with his disciples, you might want to listen to what he has to say. To give you an example of the beauty of the ancient faith and the beauty of our prayers, that we don't get here on Sunday mornings and say, uh, okay, Jesus, bless me. Look at the depth and the beauty and the wholeness and the fullness of our prayers. To guide us in our prayers, sometimes we don't know what to say. Sometimes we say, okay, God, I know you're there, but like, thank you. And the people that didn't come this week, make them come next week. Sometimes we don't know what to say. The church has given us a guide in our prayer. And that guide is called the Egbeya, which is a book that helps 
helps us in our prayer in different times of the day. At the end of every section of this prayer book, there is a concluding prayer. And we say this, Lord, ease our life. Guide us to fulfill your commandments. Sanctify our spirits. Cleanse our bodies. Conduct our thoughts. Purify our intentions. I don't want to have selfish intentions. I want to have purified intentions as you designed it. Heal our diseases, physical and spiritual. Forgive our sins. Lord, deliver us from every evil grief and distress of heart. Surround us by your holy angels, that by their camp, which means like their surrounding, by the surrounding of, the, of your angels, we may be guarded and guided and attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of your imperceptible and infinite glory. So we may attain unity of faith and the knowledge of your imperceptible and infinite glory. What is the word imperceptible? Is that the knowledge of who you are, my heavenly father, I can't even perceive all of it. It's above my logic. It's above, as much as I try to contain it, I cannot. It's above my knowledge. It's incomprehensible. It's imperceptible. And your glory is infinite. You see the beauty of our church? It's us pulling the different aspects, our thoughts, our consciences, our, our bodies, our diseases, that we're trying to be made whole again and find the fullness of life as we were designed. Something you heard about half an hour ago at the very end of an Orthodox liturgy is we pray this. Purify our souls, our bodies, our spirits, our hearts, our eyes, our understanding, our thoughts, and our consciences. So that, with a pure heart, an enlightened soul, an unashamed face, a faith unfeigned. What does the word unfeigned mean? That my faith be sincere, be genuine, that I intentionally want to come to be made whole. A perfect love, a firm hope. We may dare with boldness, without fear, to pray to you, O God, the Holy Father, who are in the heavens, and say, we come with our brokenness. We come wanting our hearts healed, our souls, our bodies, our spirits, our hearts, our eyes, understanding, our thoughts, our consciousness. This, there's so, you're telling me you're just made out of one part? You see how, see how holistic our prayers are? Because there's so much of who we are as human beings. So if we are asking God for these personal things, he will 100% make us whole. Why? If our prayers, we, our prayers are personal, because our Heavenly Father is personal. That we come, as we say in the liturgy, that we can come with boldness, without fear, with a genuine desire to be made whole. And Lord, we ask you not to just to bless us with something superficial, but that you sanctify every aspect of our lives. Let's stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Father, you want a personal relationship with us, that you actually 
desire for us to call you Father. Lord, that you didn't just leave us and abandon us, like we say in the liturgy, but that you came and restored us and made us whole by becoming man in order for us to become like you. Help us to analyze and assess the different aspects of our lives that we feel might be broken. Personal issues, our marriage issue, our relationship issues, whatever struggle that we might be going through. Help us to analyze that and come and present that to you. You being the wholeness and fullness of man and the fullness of wife, help us to see that so we can be restored back into your beautiful image. Through the prayers of all your saints, here says we pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but the rest from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.